0: Okay, so my name's Abby Khan. I am originally from Leeds in the UK. Specifically for you guys who know that you come from Bristol of um, of all places. And you guys are listening to Radio Sangam Sports.
1: Right, brilliant. Cheers, Abi. Your staff for doing this. I came across you as a result of your cousin Ali, because I've seen the transformation in him. Um, I've known him for about five. I've known him for about seven years, and I knew when he was just. Uh, a tall skinny lad and I thought he was a runner at first. I thought, you know what, this guy must be into running. But then when he said you're into, he's into bodybuilding and he told me about you back then, I thought, you know what, I've got to get this guy. Um, talk to me about this, about your journey to Australia of all places. How did you get there?
0: Yeah, so what's super interesting is that when when I was growing up in the, in the UK, I played, uh, played professional rugby league, I played for Bradford Bulls and then the Huddersfield Giants. From like 16 to just before i was 20 and i came out to australia purely because I, one of the lads in my team had done the same thing and he came back a much better rugby league player and the australians for me were always just far superior to to the british in terms of rugby so i was like okay if i want to really make this a thing and and do this for the rest of my life i need to be as good as i possibly can so i did the same thing i came out here for a for a year and played against the Aussies, but absolutely just loved the the place, loved the culture, loved the people. And it was in that sort of year, I decided to stay for a second year. And I had a contract on the table and everything for me from Huddersfield. And I basically said to them, hey, look, I'm going to stay in another year. And in that second year that I was over in Australia, I met my, my girlfriend and she Basically forced me to stay, and the rest is sort of history. So I, yeah, I essentially turned down my my contracts and and stayed here, stayed in Australia. Wow, true love. Yeah, it's cool. She's such a cool girl, and uh, it was interesting because the the whole choice because uh, I was still debating on come back home from a big family, very close family, and I had to decide. Basically, we went out for for dinner one night, and. I didn't really know what to do, so I just told her to take a coin out of a pocket and I just flipped a coin and I said, Whatever this lands at, this is what I'm gonna do and that was it and I basically flipped this coin and it landed head uh, on heads three times and that was the decision. I just thought of, uh, you know, let fate be the the guide and end up staying here in Australia and um yeah, couldn't look back, it's great.
1: That's beautiful, man. That's absolutely beautiful. Um, how did you uh, meet your girlfriend? Because I'm assuming you would have been extremely busy training and so forth. Was she into sport or rugby? Yeah, or like
0: something? she. So she played. She played like the women's version of, of rugby here, which which it wasn't contact. It was essentially like. A, do you remember playing like bull tag when you were when you were sort of a kid and you had those? Yes. Yeah. Stra- so it was essentially that, but it was that on a an, an elite sort of level. Like this was like a really competitive sort of level, and she she was playing. That for the same club that I was playing at, yeah, that's how I met her. We played for the same, same team.
1: So it's a mm. sporting, um, sporting relationship.
0: Yeah, pretty much. Like, yeah, she's, she's sort of heavily uh, into sports as well as as well as well that I was. Now it's just training for whatever the specific goal is at the moment, but it's not sport related at the moment. Uh, it's much more, I guess, diverse in terms of training. But yeah, definitely, definitely a strong sporting relationship.
1: How difficult was it to leave your family behind in, in Yorkshire, in uh, Burstall, to adjust, to, to move to Australia? Because you didn't only leave Rugby League, which was your passion, but also your family, a major transition.
0: Yeah, so uh, great question. That was possibly the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And it's the interesting thing is it's still hard. I mean, I've been out here nine, ten years, I think it is now, it's even still hard today so I I talk to family pretty much every single weekend and even talking to talking to them makes me you know miss the hell out of them as insane as they are it still makes me miss them it was incredibly difficult but I I remember my my nan saying to me you you've just you've got to do what makes you happy and what sort of feels right and I was like okay cool this for whatever reason as hard as it is feels like the you know, the right thing to do. So I just I just had to sort of go with it because that was my you know, my gut instinct and, and that's what I felt that I had to do and that was right in that moment. So yeah, it was incredibly, incredibly difficult. As you sort of sort of know, coming from the Middle Eastern background, the families is like super tight and like nothing nothing's gonna break these people. And and that's what my family's like. Even to this day it's still it's still difficult
1: no definitely i had the um, the privilege of meeting your nan a few years ago mm. and um, was that the tipping point that you needed the push that you needed from her to say you know what she's telling me to follow my dreams i've got to go
0: yeah 100% 100% i i think it was there was always i think whenever you sort of make a big decision in in life there's always not just one thing there's like a catalyst of things like there's always a lot of Different uh, energies, a lot of different sort of circumstances that basically build up to that decision. But that, I think, was that sort of, I guess, catalyst to say, you know what, this is this is the right thing to do. This is what you actually need to do, and don't worry about what anyone else thinks. Don't worry about other people. You've got to be quite selfish in that fast because it's your life at the end of the day, and you don't want to regret it. And obviously, coming to the other side of the world, essentially, is a once in a lifetime sort of opportunity with you know with the move and the expense of the move but um i was already here so i thought okay cool i'll just stay like it's easier just staying here rather than you know coming back home and then coming trying to come back over here and it's much more difficult with visas and all that sort of stuff as well
1: no it sounds absolutely amazing experience so you've kind of gone through that journey that our ancestors our families went through uh back in the day where they came they came into a new country and they had to build from the ground up
0: yeah yeah i guess you would say yeah in some sort of some sort of 21st century weird way that's exactly what i've i've done um and the hardest thing i think was is doing it like i came over here with with two friends and then eventually end up being being on my own but with with emma my girlfriend um, But it was that was coming over and going, okay, now I'm starting from absolutely nothing. I don't know what to do. It's not going to be like, I was still playing rugby league over here for a couple of years. And then I had shoulder surgery and I kind of lost a bit of passion for it after that surgery. So I didn't go back to playing. So I had to go, okay, well, what do I do now? Like, what the hell am I meant to do with, with my life? Because it's this... I've gone from having everything essentially in the UK to giving all that up for whatever reason that was. I'm, I'm very sort of into the idea that things happen for a reason and I to—I fully believe that. So I just have to trust the process and now it's um, pushing into the sort of the acting world. That's the passion. That's the dream. So that's exactly what I'm doing now. It's pushing to it again, going from ground up again. Uh, into something that I've got no idea about, got no networks in, but it's just, it's part of the, the challenge, which I think is quite, quite fun. Oh, that's pretty cool. When you had the, uh, the surgery on your shoulder, was that one of your lowest points in your life? No, the it, it weird thing is, it wasn't even bad, to be honest with you. Like, it was just bad enough that I needed surgery on it. And the the surgery went perfectly well, and the recovery went perfectly well. Like, everything went great. Um, I could have gone back to playing like the, my surgeon and my, my physiotherapist say, so, look, you're all you're all good. Like you can go back to to playing. And I actually did try to train a little bit, but I don't know if it was a psychological perspective that I didn't want to get that hurt again. And plus, I was at a very different point in my life when I was younger, playing professionally in the UK. You know, I was still living at home. I was still okay. Like I was um, able to still survive. But when you get to a, a point in your life where you've still got to work and put food on the table for yourself and for your family, it becomes very different because if I had got injured, I wouldn't have be been able to work. You know, and then that's that's a real issue because I wasn't playing professionally anymore. I wasn't getting paid to play anymore. So at that point it was a case of going, Okay, what's the smarter decision? And the smarter decision was to just go, you know what, I can I can give this up. Like I've achieved essentially what I wanted to do and the the goal was always to play professionally. And I did. It was part-time professional at the, at the point that I was uh, in the UK for Huddersfield and Bradford. But that was pretty much everything that I wanted. And I was like, I played at, you know, big stadiums and it was great. It was great fun and I loved it. But I didn't feel I needed to do any more to create, you know, a sense of fulfillment in my own life. You felt you did enough in those four or five years to to find fulfillment? Yeah, 100%. Because, it, I mean, it was the those years at that professional level, but I've been playing since I was seven. Like me, me, Ali, and, and my brother, Hassan, we we all started at seven years old and we we played all that time and I played right up until I was, I mean, I played beyond sort of 20. I played probably till I was like 23 or something like that. So I had a solid amount of time in there and even playing that. The, the weird thing was that playing on the the level of the big stadiums and stuff in the UK, which was incredibly fun, but I still got as much enjoyment out of it playing on the, on the sort of a Sunday game, you know, like a Sunday afternoon game as you would, I still got the same buzz. I still got that same feeling. It wasn't like the crowds and stuff were cool and the experience was cooler, but it didn't matter. Like when I was in the game, I was in the game. It didn't matter if there was nobody watching or if there was, you know, 20, 30,000 people watching. It didn't matter.
1: That's amazing playing for pride. And it's something that you love to do. A lot of people probably would not make that decision that you did at a young age. And you were very fortunate. You had great people in your life at that time that gave you that push, and you know, and look where you are today. So we finished with rugby league. How long did it take you to find your next project, your next passion? Uh, did it come instantly, or did you have to try a number of things?
0: You know, it was weird <laughs> talking about cousins. One of my cousins has just joined as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, what was strange was that the the second the, the the new passion in terms of acting came whilst i was still playing like it was it was ingrained it was already there so while i mean before even i was playing it was literally the and i didn't grow up wanting to be an actor or anything like that but it was the first year that i was over here in Australia, me, me and my mates who so I came over here with, we've done a little bit of like extras work on on home and away of all places. So we were just like, we ended up getting a, a gig in the background, like playing, like I was playing a surfer of all people. And the funny thing is that they said to me is, they were like, here's what we want you to do. Get a surfboard, go out in the water, swim around a little bit and come back. And I was like, cool. I was like, but I can't swim. So I was like, so what do you want me to do? <laughs> And it was just like, okay, go in the water, get your hair wet, and just run out and pretend like you just had a surf. I was like, okay, I can do that. And just that that sort of the atmosphere and stuff that I was in after doing not just that, but a few of the gigs after that was just incredibly fun. And it, it just sort of, it just hit me like immediately. I was like, this is what I need to do. And then I still playing, I was still playing rugby and stuff like that. And it was when I stopped playing immediately. The next path just opened up. It wasn't as if I had to think about it. It was almost like, uh, you know, one door closed, another door immediately, instantaneously opened. Um, you know, I think in life, like, we all have multiple passions. We don't necessarily just have to follow one. And I've never liked the, the fact of, like, just make this your everything. And, yes, you need to make something your priority, but you're allowed to like other things. You're allowed to follow multiple things at the same time. But in, in saying that, you still need to make one your priority to actually make something of it. So almost, yeah, it's, it sort of came instantaneously.
1: Oh, that's amazing. It's, that's inspiring that I work in a school and uh, this is my passion, believe it or not. I love talking to people and talking about their journey and your journey is remarkable. And I hope you get to be the star of your movie, of your journey, because I think it's uh, amazing, especially what I've um, I've heard so far. From what I see on social media, you are in the fitness industry. You are a bit of a hulk. <laughs> Talk to me how how you got involved and what is the dream, a part time dream until you become the next Tom Cruise, <laughs>
0: like the brown Tom Cruise. But um, <laughs> I um, I, I, this is strange. Like again, I didn't I didn't want to be a personal trainer. I had no interest in becoming a personal trainer at all since I was seven years old, and I had my first training session of rugby league that's all I wanted to do I wanted to be a professional rugby league player and that that was it and that was my everything and in terms of being a personal trainer when I was playing at Huddersfield one of my teammates was already a personal trainer and he was going to do sort of some advanced certification he's like hey you should come along I was just like no interest in being a you know a PT. I don't want to stand you know stand around in gyms and teach other people. I don't care about that. I just want to go play you know I want to play rugby. I want to play footy. And he said no like it's, it'll be a really cool opportunity. The person that that's teaching the course is extremely well renowned in, in the UK. I was like all right cool you you've sort of convinced me. I went and just checked it out basically. It was in that sort of weekend that I met this guy in, in the UK um, who's a, a Czech practitioner a Paul portrait practitioner that i was like okay this this is actually really cool i I can understand the the psychology and the physiology of, of the body program design nutrition how to optimize my performance in terms of getting better as a rugby league player i was like this is amazing like i can become even better than i thought i could so I did it completely off a, off a whim and went. Okay, well, this is I guess this is what I'm doing. So I got my certification um, while I was still while I was still in the UK before I came to Australia. And it sort of boded well with me when I came out here. It was like, okay, I need to at some point I need to get a job. And great, personal trainers are really in high demand. So I just walked straight into a personal training job while I was over here. But in terms of the the long term goal, personal training it is is something I love, but it's on the it's on the journey. It's not a in terms of a just doing this when acting picks up it's it's part of the journey because it's allowing me to be able to the personal training sort of industry is very interesting because you don't have this nine to five like you're constantly you you know you're generally up really early in the morning you got a couple of clients got a break and then a little bit more clients and a break and that that works really well for me and it allows me to be able to study acting it allows me to build brand. it allows me to run my podcast it allows me to do a lot of really cool things so it's part of the journey and also to be on screen i need to look a particular way well i want to look a particular way for the actors that i want to play so that knowledge and education that i have is going to be very applicable to or, to get me into the, the necessary shape that i need for movies
1: oh fabulous i don't know if if this is a valid question how you feel pts are different in england compared to australia do you see any differences uh, in terms of what's being offered, the culture in England is it any different to the culture of Australia? Because they are two completely different countries, and Australia, from what I've read, is more outdoor kind of a uh, kind of a place compared to England.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the the, the culture is definitely different. It's not the weird thing about Australia is that that is the perception of like, oh, it's always sunny, so people are going to train more. It's just not it's not the case at all. Uh, the obesity rate in Australia is still, it's still extremely high it 's still a westernized cult, uh, society and westernized culture it 's still very very high, which is insane but uh, is is the way it is in terms of the actual industries the probably the biggest thing that i that i 've noticed is that australia uh, and this is, this is not just my opinion this is this is just sort of known as being superior and and that 's not because Australia are better it 's because Australians are more They've got this culture of they are quite happy to spend money to invest in themselves and their education. Like it's not uncommon for Aussies to travel all around the world to get educated in in any industry, really, and then come back to Australia and build their business up from here. Where I think in the UK, people are a bit, uh, and they are in Australia as well, a bit more arrogant, a bit more... I've got my basic level of certification. Now I can go and be this awesome personal trainer. And it's not the case because the basic level of certification in Australia and in the US and in the UK is embarrassing. It's terrible. It it teaches you enough to get by, but it doesn't teach you enough um, achieve great results with, with clients. It doesn't teach you enough to be able to take into account behavioural and habitual habits of people's lives, the psychology of people. It doesn't take into account that as a PT, you're essentially a counsellor. You've got people that are struggling with anxiety, with depression. You've got people that are struggling with mental issues. You've got struggle, people struggling with 30 years of eat, negative eating habits. You know what I'm saying? Like, And they don't teach you any of that. and They don't even you know, touch on really any of that. And that's mainly what your job is as a personal trainer. People get in the industry. So generally, because you want to train athletes, you want to train people who are, you know, going to get on stage or in incredible shape. Those people don't really need you, especially as a birth base level personal trainer. Like, they already know way more than you anyway. They're going to go to someone who's way more advanced, someone who's got more experience, someone who's spent more money investing in themselves in their own education and then proving it with enough results. So I guess to to sort of sum it up, people or at least PTs in Australia are happier to invest in themselves. That's why they're known as superior Australians, so I understand, are known as arguably the best personal trainers, health and fitness coaches in the world, even more than the US, purely because of that reason. I mean it's still got its ups and downs. There's still the, you know, the average sort of personal trainers that come out of their certification and believe that they're, you know, it's NVQ level one and two in us in the UK, but it's cert three and cert four over here. They believe that that's enough, and it's not. You base all that basically says is you've passed your driving test. Now you've now got to go out in the world and start learning.
1: In your personal opinion, do you think it should be more like a degree where it has where it has counselling behavior? Um judging behaviors particular programs and then put yourself through a program and then at the end of three years build a massive pro profile you get a degree and you get to showcase your journey do you think that might be a better plan overall up and coming pts
0: um if i had my way i wouldn't say so much <laughs> laughing. i wouldn't say so much as, as a degree in three because i don't think it needs that level but it definitely needs to be i mean you can complete an in a personal, tra- as a personal trainer, you complete com- complete an online course in six weeks. So you never have to actually see another person. you can complete that, but it's personal training. It's in person. At some point you're gonna have to communicate with another human being, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, so I think it definitely needs to be longer. I wouldn't say the course is like three. I don't think it needs to be that sort of level. But I think, because, and I never believe in the university system. I think a lot of things are broken with it. And it's a 30 odd year old system that, has been running since the beginning of bloody time. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it's very outdated, I think, and especially in this industry, in this world, and the um, sort of entrepreneurial-driven age, that people are willing to do a lot more work, But right? I think that the standard just needs to be raised a hell of a lot higher. There needs to be modules on physiology. Let's talk about cellular structure. Let's talk about anatomy. Let's talk about injury prevention, let's talk about program design over the course of this 12-month period rather than can you actually write an efficient program for someone to get get a result, not just a typical, do three sets of 12, you know, how many in terms of volume, like how many times we need to hit each body part per week to stimulate muscle growth. You know, what do we need to do? Because puzzle training, are essentially, we're looking at this wide variety. We need to be able to train runners. We need to be able to train strength athletes, bodybuilders. There's so many different areas that we need to have a base level of understanding on. So I think that if the curriculum needs to be more advanced and the bar needs to be set higher, we need to have a, a specific sort of knowledge on nutrition, you know, and, and that be applicable to different sort of people as well. There needs to be the behavioral, as you said, the behavioral and the psychological aspect of it as well. Like it needs to be just, the bodies needs to be set way, way, way higher. So I don't, I don't think it, take, it needs to take years, but it needs to take a significant amount of time to be able to get people there. And then I think once people get into the industry, they should be essentially monitored by someone that's way more advanced. Or personal trainers right now, I think us. I think that people right now is a, that's you know purely in my opinion, but the, people can just do it right by themselves. Is go in, get your certification, and then find the best coach in your area and go hire that coach to train you. Because that coach is going to teach you invaluable lessons that you won't learn anywhere else from their own experience, and they're going to teach you how to actually get results. They're going to teach you their own systems, which is really really important for a personal trainer. They're going to teach you the level of knowledge that they have. Obviously, you know in a short amount of time but go find a coach who's the best the best person in your area and the most knowledgeable person in your area that you have access to and that you can afford pay them to teach you and you will skip all this that you just don't need that's pretty cool advice and that applies to any industry you know get like you're certain the certain industry where you need this basic base level of certification by by law go and get that and go cool now i'm allowed to go and learn and go Throw yourself in the deep end. I, I absolutely agree with that. It's the only way you're going to learn. You need to go and actually have some face-to-face experience before you even go online, because online's is a, a, a different game completely. But I would find a coach in your area or a company that you can work for and go and learn everything that they've got to teach you. And you will be far more advanced than 90% of people around you, because people just aren't willing to do that work. Is that what you're seeing personally in Australia and in the UK? Yeah, everywhere, US, Europe, everywhere. Uh, people just aren't willing to do that work, and the amount of people that I see on online, on Instagram, the prerequisite right now for for having a successful personal training business is having a six pack or having a great ass. That's literally it. If people see that, they're like, "Oh, you must know what you're doing." I'm going to pay you money to try and train me. When mostly people have got no idea what they're doing, and you can see it by a by the the, the level of knowledge and the content that they're putting out, and also I. If they put up a specific post the people that I follow, if I see something in Instagram explore, I'm like, that's a really interesting point. Let me ask about that point you know, I'll I'll DM this person and the amount of times that I just get absolute shit, I'm like, you don't know what you're talking about. And I just leave it there. Well, you actually do know what you're
1: talking about because I've seen the transformation in uh, a very good friend of mine who's uh, online at this moment in time. Currently, what training regime are you putting yourself
0: through at the moment? So I'm in a, a bit of a transition phase. Obviously, post like gyms have only been open a little while now. It, I spent a few weeks just getting back into movement and movement patterns, and just trying to stay, I guess, injury-free after not training for such a long time with obviously with the shutdown. But right now, I'm going into a, a bit of a strength block. So the the goal, the goal was pre-COVID to hit a 300 kilo deadlift. That was the Progress. That was that's the that was the ultimate sort of goal that I wanted to do, and everything was sort of based around that. But that took a bit of a you know, a bit of a, a backlay. But the goal right now is just to get strong, just to be able to move injury free. I've got a fair amount of niggles and injuries that I, I'm having to to work around. So um, outside of those niggles and injuries, the goal is to just get get strong again, create a really good base level of foundation, and, and then again, like I guess it, it comes back to acting, is that. I'm going to, I want to create my own version of like the, you know, the Hollywood sort of body. Like I want to be able to get on screen and, you know, there's actors like Henry Cavill and Chris Hemsworth and The Rock, like they have got their own sort of bodies that they're they're well-renowned for. And that's, I want to create my own because for the roles that I want to play, I need to be in a certain shape to be able to play those leading roles. What roles do you want to play in acting? So mainly, um, like lead roles I want to play, so the the sort of forefront character and mainly roles in sort of the movies that I'm into are very like action based, fantasy based. So if we're looking at like Lord of the Rings, we're looking at like action movies, like, you know, Fast and Furious type movies. And, you know, as you said, Tom Cruise earlier, Mission Impossible would be really cool as well. Superhero movies are all, uh, a love of mine as well. So those are action type movies, whether that's in in film or in television either or doesn't really matter too much um to me game of thrones is the the big goal at the moment is to try and get on the new game of thrones that's coming out so that's the that's the focus
1: how do you start that journey have you fallen into something again in terms of like acting how have you started that journey towards acting so you've got the body or the body's it's coming it's coming together it's coming
0: it's coming it's a process (laughs) So, you know, what's interesting, it's not a, I mean, there's not really an opportunity. It's not, nothing's ever been sort of like, here, do this, like, you're already good. Ask Ali and, and the people that we sort of mutually know that I've never been naturally talented at anything, even rugby. And if, if you speak to, to, to Ali, it's that for almost two almost two years, I would get up pretty much every single day before school and run. Every day, 5 a.m., I would get up and run because I knew that I wasn't as good. I wasn't as fast. I wasn't as fit as the other people that were around me. So I was like, I need to do something more because otherwise I'm not gonna make it. You know, like, so, so I, would, I would get up in the morning like 5 a.m. and I would run before school and then after school, we would, we would me, Ali and Asama, we would go to the gym. Uh, we'd go weight training and then we'd go to training that evening as well and that would happen a few, a fair few times a week and that was before I even got the opportunity to play and potentially make um get signed by Bradford um so that was there like there was there was no you know option there was no hey you're naturally good at this it was always a case of what do I want to do and what am I willing to do to get there and there's also things that have come up that I'm like okay I really want to do this but am I willing to give everything to do that and sometimes it was no I'm I'm not that invested there's, I'm not as passionate about that so i think it's very important for people to understand that and then let that go and go cool i'm not passionate enough about that let that go let me put my time into something that i actually love and that's what exactly happened with acting was that i've just got this profound love for it and this passion for it that i'm figuring it out and it's part of this process there's no sort of blueprint to success and that's very much the case in in mine i got given horrible genetics there's no natural gift here At all, (laughs) thank my parents for that. But it's taking advantage of what you do have and going, okay, I know that I'm willing to work really, really, really hard. I'm knowing that I'm willing to just be disciplined and persistent and just not stop. Great, that's what I've got and that's what I'm willing to work with. So in terms of the acting industry, I've got nothing. Like I know nobody, I've got no contacts, no networks. I've not got any experience or anything of that nature. However, I'm passionate enough about it that I'm willing to just give it absolutely everything to make it, to make it happen. And I know that I will because we only fail if we quit and I'm refusing to quit.
1: So um, you were talking about how Australians invest in themselves, whatever their passion is. So are you investing in acting classes or anything like mm. that?
0: Yeah, so I've got, um, I've got a acting coach that, that I've been investing in and that, that, that's exactly it. It's looking at what, what you need to do to get to where you want to be and going, okay, cool. How do I make that happen faster? And to make it happen faster, you find people that have already done it. And you find that person and talk to that person. And then nine times out of 10, you'll have to pay that person and say, okay, I need you to essentially teach me what you know. And that's what we're doing with coaches. These acting coaches are teaching me what they know. So that's exactly what I'm doing now in, in terms of working on the actual craft of acting. It's working with an acting coach. But there's also more to it. There's also a very big business aspect to it, which people don't look at and they don't take advantage of in terms of the acting world like any other world is a business so in order to be part of that business specifically acting brand is super super important so i mean the major factor is why i started my podcast and i'm I'm relatively consistent with posting things and educating on, on instagram is because of brand is because building my brand is going to help me connect with more people being able to connect with more people is going to allow me to at some point make the right connections and i'm constantly reaching out to these people and trying to build these networks on the sort of back end and i'm going to put a charge on you know to be able to make these uh make these connections so that we can actually create these relationships and in, in order to you know progress in the acting industry
1: doing what um i needed back in the 60s back in the 80s sorry investing in yourself and going to acting classes even though You've got a lot of um, other things and priorities in the background. Have you, um, have, you challenged any, uh, have you faced any challenges in terms of acting? Are there certain things that you found easy and certain things that you found very difficult?
0: Yeah, everything's hard. Everything's so, so <laughs> difficult. You know, the, the funny thing about the acting world is that people look at it, and especially if you're a confident person, people also tell you, you should be an actor. As if it's somehow this magically easy thing to do. It's not at all. It is far more challenging than anything that I've ever done. Even more, even more challenging than being a professional athlete. There, there's such a psychological challenge to it in terms of you have to be extremely, as a, especially as a, as a male, you have to be very, very, very vulnerable. You have to be very open. You have to be able to go to places emotionally that you may have gone through quite difficult times in your life you might have to sometimes conjure up those feelings in order to put them into a scene to be able to connect with this other person and connect with your character that you may not want to do and that sounds like oh yeah no i could probably do that it's really really hard because you don't want those feelings to come back up you've shunned them away and put them in the past because there might be mistakes that you've made in life and there might be you know troubles that you've gone through there might be um you know deaths that you've gone through in, in your life or whatever it might be but those things are going to make for a really memorable character and a memorable scene, and that's what you've committed to, and that's what you have to be able to do. There's obviously the physicality as well. Being very, It's a very, very physically demanding job. You know, You're on set for hours and hours and hours and hours at a time, and no matter how much preparation you've done, you can never prepare for the actual scene because acting is not chronological. You might get to set, and they shoot the last scene of the movie, which might be the most emotional scene on the movie on day one, and you don't know anyone. You've only just met these other actors that you've got to do scenes with, and you've got to like break your own heart if that's the scene in order to open up to these people. In terms of the work, like it's very lonely as well. Like no one can help you do the work when you're creating your character and things like that. It's just me in this little room here, just trying to do that and trying to figure it out and trying to ask myself the right questions. And then you constantly, questioning those questions or like, is this the right way of doing it? Am I playing this character the right way? Do you know, like it, there's, there's all these sort of things that, that go through you, through your head. So it's very much a, a, a mental game is, is the acting industry and it's extremely challenging. So if there's anyone out there that thinks that acting is easy, you really need to think again. It's extremely, extremely difficult.
1: Oh, wow. There's, you've gone pretty deep in there in terms of talking about vulnerability and especially coming from a male point of view, I knew it was difficult, but the way you've sold it to me, I don't think I'd ever want to do it. But, you know, I think, I think, I personally believe you will make it because of your drive. I want to quickly talk about how to feel great naked. How did that come about? (laughs)
0: Uh, (laughs) How to feel great naked. So how to feel great naked is a book that I wrote and essentially was trying to, as we, we spoke about before, is the prerequisite to, become a personal trainer or some sort of fitness influencer is to look good and it's absolutely ridiculous. There's so many there's so many brands out there that sponsor sponsor athletes and now this for some reason gives them some sort of ego of they can now educate people where most of them aren't even qualified PTs, which is ridiculous. Even though the qualification is not great, they still need that. But also they may have got themselves in good shape, or they may genetically be in good shape, or they may be using performance enhancing drugs, which is very, very highly likely in this today's day and age. And also they may have gotten a couple of friends in good shape. Now, oh, I know what I'm doing, but they don't. They just take this, this one sort of method and they try and push it to every person. Some people it work for, some people it won't work for. And that's not what a coach is at all. A coach is about adaptability, being able to go, okay, I've got enough knowledge and enough experience to adapt to each individual client, each individual client is training in a completely different way. Because me and you, yes, physiologically, we've got the same cells, the same structure, our bodies work the same way, but they also work very differently from a finite perspective. So we've got to understand that. So how to feel, <laughs> Jim Will Smith, I agree we've got to be able to look at so many different factors, As we spoke about before, we've got to look at the psychological we've got look at mindset. We've got to look at how to actually go. So we've got to look at overcoming negative behavioral habits and associations, negative behaviors with food. We've got to look at our environment as well. As we, as we know, like coming from, coming from big families, like it was always a thing that you always had to finish the food on your plate because we know that our, our ancestors and our sort of second third cousins and stuff might be in in a country in the middle East, that are struggling to actually put food on the table. So our families understand there's like we're in a very lucky situation, you don't waste food, which is great. And it's great to feel fulfilled, but however, that can also create negative associations with food, which is what I suffered with. And how to feel great naked, essentially is putting all my knowledge and all my experience into one sort of very easy to read, entertaining, if I do say so myself, um, book that people can check out and people can actually understand the facts. This is this is science. This is not my opinion. This is facts that I've implemented with hundreds and hundreds of clients that have gotten results. And it's how you can take all of that, how you can create your own nutrition plan from setting your calories and macros and things of that nature. And there's training programs in there as well for you to follow. But it's, it's aside from all that, it's very much and the underlying factor is a mindset book. It's been able to take control and self um, and, and empower yourself to be able to understand and have the actual necessary knowledge in order to get to where you want to be. Wow. Was
1: it something that was on your to do list or did, it, or did you just stumble across it?
0: it I, ju- I just started to one day. I worked in, um, in Sydney, which from, from where I live in the Central Coast is, it was like an hour and a half on the train. On the way then an hour and a half past it was like three hours a day of just traveling and traveling the train is a very very boring pursuit so most of the time you're literally just sleeping but I was like genuinely just bored and I just started to throw some notes together and it was just generally my own education so when I'm like learning stuff I'll you know create my own note or my own um, sort of document and and just write down what 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 I've sort of learned and I had this sort of accumulated of a you know, lots and lots of pages, and I was like, I could probably whack all this together in like a, a little book. So I did that very quickly. Like my my girlfriend helped me, and we created this little document, and it took me a week to do. And then I sent it out for a couple of, to a couple of people, um, a couple of close friends, and just said, you know, what do you think? And they were all, look, it's really good. Like we really, really like it. And I looked at it, and it was only probably a I don't know, like a fifteen-page document or something like that. Max, maybe even less than that. And I looked at it, and I was like, is this everything? Like, is this as good as what I can do? Am I making an actual difference here in people's lives? And I was like, no, I, I can do far more. So at that point I just deleted everything. Uh, so started again and just started writing and I just started writing and writing and writing and writing. And the ideas started coming sort of tenfold. Like I think when, once you've got this focus on anything, things just start to create momentum and just start to happen. So, and that's exactly what happened. With the, with the book, it just started getting bigger and, bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And as it started to grow, I started to write more and put more time into it. And eventually, it just, you know, got to a stage where I, I'd finished it. And it took me, God, I think it took me two years from the start of just writing notes to the point of its actual conception. Yeah, it, it wasn't a thought. It just sort of came about. That's amazing. So it took a Are long can... time. Long, long time. Cause, and I'm not a writer at all. So I had to get, I had to read, I read through that thing. God, I I can't even count how many times I read through it. And I got other people who are far more intelligent than I am to read through it as well to make sure it all made sense. Because whilst I, whilst I was writing, I was prepping for my photo shoot. I was in this massively depleted, sleep-deprived state. So I was like, geez, I hope it makes sense because I've got no idea what I'm writing right now.
1: No, I think you should be proud, personally. Um, I'm going to buy it. And I'm gonna thank you. I'm gonna go through it because um, I was going through your social media a couple of days ago and I thought, why didn't Ali tell me this guy's written a book? He didn't <laughs> tell me. I catch up with him. You're a, a no nonsense PT, um, and we don't have enough of them, I would say. You talked about your photo shoot, I want you to talk me through how that came about. Because I believe it was 260 days you went on a diet for. Uh, so you live like a professional athlete for majority of a year. Can you just walk mm. me through that whole journey, your ups and downs before we call it a day?
0: Um, yeah, so I think it was, I think it was like 262 or, two, or 257 or something like that. So it was essentially nine months of prep. And that is a, that's a very, very long prep. And I lost... Uh, 29 kilos all up which I think is like 66 pounds or something stupid like that and with with that the the goal was like I just had some family come over here and we we sort of enjoyed Christmas and I got to a stage where I, I was just a fat basically so I'd, I'd prior to that I'd been working a ton and my lifestyle just become unhealthy because work had been a priority and I'd not prioritize my own health or my own training which you know happens and there's also sleep deprivation that comes into that play as well so i knew that i needed to get out so essentially i resigned from my job because i was i was hating it so i resigned from my job started a different pt pt job and i said to myself okay this year this year i I, i'm going to get into the best shape my of my life and i'm Going to essentially document, and that's part of mostly part of where the book came from as well. As I was learning and documenting my journey in in a in a sense about the more the scientific principles of it, and that's what's in the book. But I said to myself, this year I'm going to get into the best shape of my life, and I'm going to take the entire year to get there. So uh, number one is where most people get wrong is they want it overnight. They want to spend thirty years in their lives up and do it overnight. Whereas I say I'm going to spend twelve months here. I'm going to spend twelve months getting into the best shape of my life. So I programmed it all for the entire year here's exactly what's going to happen and here's exactly what i expect to happen over the course of the year and so i just started the journey and i started with nutrition and training and focusing on sleep and lifestyle habits and things of that nature but what i also did is set myself a deadline i went okay by this date which was september 30th um so it wasn't quite it ended up in nine months but By September 30th, I'm going to go and do a photo shoot. Regardless of how I look, I'm doing that photo shoot, and I'm going to put that everywhere that I can. I'm going to put it on social media. I'm going to put it everywhere so that I'm giving myself that moment of, like, you can't not do this because everyone's going to see it. So it's sort of tough. So I did that that moment, and... Um, basically just went for it and went okay I'm gonna go as hard as I can I'm gonna stay as focused as I can and there were slip-ups you know that I made a lot of mistakes you know there was a lot of times where I messed up with food there's a lot of times where I maybe should have trained that little bit harder that day and there was a lot of times where I was barely sleeping like as you start to diet and when we're calling this massive caloric deficit and this massive uh, highly sympathetic or stressful state sleep starts to be deprived as well so there was times where I I generally go to bed around eight o'clock and there's times where I would get up at 11 o'clock that night because I couldn't sleep but like well I can't sleep I well just go and train so I just go to the gym and train that night and then just stay up the next day. In terms of working out I was working out five six hours a day every every single day towards the latter end of that and that's on top of having two jobs that's on top, top of trying to you know, get out eight hours, nine hours of sleep. That's on top of having a relationship. That's on top of training clients. That's on top of programming. That's on top of writing my book. That's on top of trying to prep for acting. Um, so there's not a lot of time that I had in that day. So you've got be extremely disciplined to get to where you sort of want to be with that.
1: Did it impact your relationship with your girlfriend at all? You know, mm. were there some crunch moments where you just thought,
0: oh my God, this is just ruining yeah. me? yeah no absolutely absolutely. and she is was amazing, and this is a, a lot of this is credit to her for being that support system for me and she was great because generally what will happen is that um, when when you sort of prep this journey the the home support system was super super crucial part, but I wanted her to challenge me, so I said to her was, "I don't want you to not eat what you want to eat or not do what you want to do because of me. I want that challenge, so she'd still have. You know, she'd still have like, say, take out burgers or she'd still have, um, you know, an ice cream or some cookies or whatever it, were, wherever it was in her life. And I was like, I want you to do that because I really want to push myself to the absolute extreme, the absolute limit to see if from a psychological perspective I can actually overcome that. But in terms of relationship, yeah, because you've got to remember that your stress levels are so high and your mood is so low and you're like very sort of like snappy with, with everyone around you. So you've got to be very self-aware and very self-conscious about that. And it's something I controlled a lot, but there were still moments where I'd say something and I'd be like, it was not it was never anything bad. Do you know what I mean? Like it wasn't ever, you know, calling it like a, you know, a, like a, a, you know a, a negative word or anything like that. It was never that, but it was more so like being like quite short with temper. and But immediately I'd understand it and apologize every single time. You know, so I was I was always really aware, and that's what you got to remember with your journey. If you're doing something like that, it's yours. You can't blame other people. You are taking control of that. You've accepted that you're going to feel sometimes you're gonna have lack of sleep. You're gonna be very highly stressed. That's on you. Like you can't blame other people.
1: That's pretty cool, man. I'm telling you, the amount of respect I have for you for putting yourself through nearly twelve months of just pure dedication to your craft. Of and your craft was photo shoot amongst other things. It sounds remarkable, and I'll be honest with you, you've inspired me that much. I could go for a five-mile run. That's my thing. Yeah, um, that's what
0: we want.
1: Apart from that, mate, you look after yourself, and we'll talk, we'll talk soon.
0: Yeah, likewise, mate. You too. Take care. and hope the family's all well too, mate.
1: You too, brother. Take care. God bless. All
0: right. See you later.